Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Evenings at 6.30 on Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. In John 15, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Isn't that wonderful? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love that. We have a great show planned for you today, which I'm looking forward to. My friend Patrick Albanese will be joining us in just a minute. And then Pastor Trent Palmberg is coming into the studio and then a full hour with uh, Bible teacher Beverly Canaris. That's all ahead on the show today. Let's take that 60 seconds that we do and get started with Patrick. For 70 years, Faith Radio has been a trusted voice sharing the good news of the gospel, lifting up the name of Jesus, and helping listeners grow in their faith. God has been so faithful to us in this ministry, thanks to the financial investment of thousands of friends just like you. But your partnership is still needed for the work ahead. Join us today with a gift at MyFaithRadio.com or by calling 877-93-FAITH. Focusing on Christ together. Jesus, 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 just that name. There will be one name that I proclaim. Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. I'm always glad on Mondays to chat with my friend and colleague, Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeling welcome. Oh, terrific! And, and you know what? Today marks a day for me. I'm I'm actually making a big change. What's that? Well, I've I've decided I am going to uh, I am going to stop eating the Thanksgiving leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have you know this: I quit cold turkey. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Well, I was looking over uh, some of the some of the uh, statistics, and I love statistics, so you can make them into whatever you want. Uh, yes. But there's the Bible app, and I love that that app. It's uh, the most popular verse of the year 2019 for the third year in a row is do not worry. seems like worrying is what's on the minds of most people, and when they go to the Bible, they want to see and hear that verse. Uh, well, uh, do you ever get tired of the hearing that? No, I never worry. do. I got you covered. I mean, it's uh, like the the dictionary, Webster's, They every year it's a new word of the year. Like this year, I think the word of the year was existential, which I find threatening. I do too. <laughs> yeah, I find that an existential, ex, I can't even say it. Yeah. 
but but yeah, it's 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 kind of nice to see that uh, you know one of those things I've always liked in the 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 Sermon on the Mount, where it's you know consider the lilies, they don't worry, <laughs> but we worry about everything. Uh, as my mom would say, you're worrying about things that have yet to not happen. I know that's so it's so true and so wise. It is, but how do you how do you stop it? Now, granted, when you go to read a Bible verse that says, you know, I've got you, don't worry, it does doesn't that that does it brings me some comfort. Doesn't that work for you? It does. It does indeed. And I have to say to myself, Bill, do not be discouraged. Do not worry. God's got this. Yeah, he's we're passengers in the vehicle driven <laughs> by him, and uh, you know we're always trying to tell him which way to turn. I know. And he's like, I've got GPS. <laughs> I know. We're we're not that bright when it comes to We're guiding. not that. Yeah. He says, you're going to love where I'm taking you. Exactly. Exactly. But, so it prompted my curiosity if don't worry is what is the most popular verse in America and Western culture. I was curious as to what the favorite Bible verses would be around the world. So I did a little research and I came across the favorite Bible verses of 88 nations. Okay. And my first question is, could you pick out Djibouti on a map? No, I didn't, I didn't think so. He, uh, he's running for president, right? Yes. Yeah, he made the debate stage, so it's all good. Okay, now having yeah. said that, it's interesting how other uh, countries and other nations, uh, China, for example, has the same verse. Don't be anxious about anything. Uh, really? Saudi Arabia has Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's interesting, uh, Zambia has the same, um, and and Kuwait, and Kenya. So We are more alike than we are different. I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. When you said, eight, so you said 88 countries, and, they, and it seems like they all kind nations. of— 88 nations, yeah. 88 nations. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, just as a side note, when I hear the number 88, I think of, and who doesn't, uh, Rehoboam, who had 88 <laughs> children. <laughs> Can you imagine having 88 children, like 87 of them turn out okay, but there's always the one. <laughs> yeah, and that would suck up all the oxygen in the family. Yeah, I yeah. borrowed the car, Dad. I borrowed the camel, and I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's it's it seems to be a universal thing that we as as human beings we worry and we don't want to worry, and we seem to go to the same source to find solace, and that's a lot of alliteration, by yeah. the way. But if you're Rehoboam, um, you got to have a big house with at least a, a three camel garage. The three camel garage. Now, you know, back then closets were much smaller because y'all just had the one robe, the one tunic. One tunic, yep. Uh, but dinners, boy, was that fun. You mm -hmm. got a lot done. And imagine <laughs> being on cleanup duty. Right. I'll no. walk the camels tonight, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Costa Rica, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow. Yeah. Nigeria, Jeremiah 29.11. Guatemala, Jeremiah 29.11. Venezuela, Joshua 1.9, Puerto Rico, Puerto I can't get my R's going here, Puerto Rico. You did a really good job on Costa Rica, though. <laughs> I did, thank you. There must be twin sons of different mothers. Yeah. Ricas. Yeah, so it looks like that's kind of the verse that pops out. People want that verse to apply to them, that I know the plans I have for you. Um, and, of course, I know the character of God. I know that that's his desire uh, for those who love him, who follow him. I think of Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those who love 
God and are called according to his purpose. So uh, we have to be careful who we say that to. Hmm. Which we shouldn't have to worry about something like that. Well, but that is meant for the people in the family of God, people who are called according to his purpose. I think sometimes we we have a tendency of saying... Don't we? We want everybody to be called. It's a bit, it's a bit, the, come on in, the water's fine. Of course, of course. Yeah. And if you are on the fence and you're kicking the tires of Christianity, oh, I promise you want to be in the family of God. And if you are hearing this uh, today, and today could be your day of salvation, I say get on your knees and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Yeah. Now this offer never expires, but we do, unfortunately. <laughs> That's so true. That's so yeah. true. And Taiwan, yeah. for example, they're Romans eight twenty eight. So uh, it's interesting just to look over all the countries and see where they're at, what they're hoping for and longing for. And it seems like the majority of the countries are looking for hope and a future. Yeah. But now that we have this inside information, does it really surprise you? Not at all. Not at all. Um, it's... Uh, you know, sometimes picking up the Bible, which is a really wonderful, um, I don't want to call it a habit. It's a practice. It's, 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 you know, a habit sounds like something that you're forcing yourself to do. But to me, a, a good practice is to pick it up. But there are times we reach for it and uh, out of need. And usually that's when we need comforting. And so it would make sense to me that, you know, what are going to be the most comforting words? I've got you. Mm-hmm. I've got you covered. Yeah. I'm here for you. You know, don't worry. Don't fear. I'm here. Mm-hmm. So that would, why wouldn't that be a universal appeal? Yeah. But you look at some of these uh, verses and you realize that they're not the words of Jesus or Paul. When you look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, they're some of the Old Testament prophets. Mm-hmm. So it predates, well... To me, you look at that and you'd say, why would um, a, a truth that's universal now or a, a, a human emotion or feeling or desire that's universal now, why would it have been any different thousands of years ago? Why wouldn't we always have been looking for, where's my comfort? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and of course, prophets, I mean, that's how you earn profit status, by the way. You say wise things. Of course. Of course. Yes. And then... Isaiah 41.10, Isaiah 41.10 is a great verse. I've, I learned this from memory uh, years and years ago. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As I was saying that, Rebecca was um, mouthing it along with me. Which, uh, okay, as long as she wasn't raising her right hand. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't, but she was uh, reciting it from memory as well. Yeah. It's uh, there's some great comfort in that. But why do people um, love to memorize psalms? It's they're, they're short, kind of an encapsulated uh, a way of sort of calming the mind and bringing peace. I mean, I mean, think about yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You go, that does not sound like a great place. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But I fear no evil, you're, for you are with me. Turn somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's like Chevy Chase in vacation going, I think we're in a bad neighborhood. Roll them up, kids. You know? <laughs> but then God says, don't worry. I'm there. Yeah. It's so, nice. So why do we walk away and then return to worry? Why is it? Why does it feel so temporary at times where we have a little surge of excitement to embrace this first and then an hour later we're back to worry? What is it about yeah. the human condition? 
you know, and I don't, this is a, a thing you and I have talked about for many years and I'm not, I can't say that we coined the phrase, but we call it awfulizing. Mm-hmm. And it, where you can take just about any situation and say, all right, just how badly can this go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I would say if you were to, to keep a scorecard, how many of the times that you had that concern did it ever play out anywhere near, nearly as bad as you imagined? Less than 1%, less than 2% maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good success record. It is. It is. And, of course, awfulizing is where you project into the future and you create a scenario which may or may not happen ever, and you insert it into your head today as if it's something you've got to deal with. And you almost become undone thinking about uh, all the ramifications of what might happen. Oh, yeah. And when we can do it in an instant, you know, the the, the person who cuts you off in traffic, and I'd say that by the time you make it to the light— you have now created a scenario where he's some sort of secret agent that somehow or another, by cutting you off, he got your guile, whatever your guile is, and then you uncovered this massive plot uh, to uh, control the world like Dr. Evil. And <laughs> you just go, how did I, I did all this in about five seconds, and then I, I pull up next to the person, and it's a nun. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, you know, I think that might have just been an incident, yes. and it might have accidental, but why do we run to the negative? Is it just a way to try to protect ourselves? Should something bad happen, we can say, aha, I knew it. Yeah, I don't know. You got deeper problems than I thought. (laughs) Good thing you only have me on for a few minutes at a time. (laughs) I know. And now it's time to take a break. And if you're driving, be awfully careful, especially in the Twin Cities area, because the snow is still happening and the snow banks are getting high. I already saw one in a parking lot, 31 feet. I don't know how tall it was practically need to be a giraffe to see over it. We'll take a short break and be right back with Patrick. Welcome back to the show. Patrick Albanese is my guest, and he's always my guest on Mondays to get the week started. I always look forward to chatting with him and catching up with what happened over the weekend and what we can look forward to in the week. Uh, there was a, an um, a art auction over the weekend, Patrick, and for $120,000, a piece of art was sold, and the art was a banana duct taped to the wall. That's no ordinary duct tape. Have <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then did you hear the banana got eaten? Yeah, somebody ate the banana, but I believe that the uh, when you bought, if you purchased the art project, that it came with instructions to replace the banana because they do go bad. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I used to have a system. Does this, does this happen to other people? You buy six bananas, you eat five, one goes bad. So the next time you buy five, you end up eating four, one goes bad. One always so goes bad. Buy, yeah, so then you buy three, one goes bad. You buy two, you eat one, one goes bad. Then you buy one, and it just sits there and goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I cannot seem to prevent one banana from going bad. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. Just, I guess to look at it there. But yeah, that thing, I thought that was, um, it, at first you said, okay, nobody's this goofy, right? That they would spend $120,000 on this. And it does make you wonder, is there something else going on? Is this a money laundering operation? Did did somebody win the, you know, the, the super duper jackpot and say, I have got to spend some of this money before they come and get it? Yeah. Well, look at that banana. That's looking real. Or it could be a great publicity stunt where they're trying to go viral with something and they succeeded. 
they, yeah, we're, we're talking about it and, uh, you know, maybe in a, in a, in a sense, I remember once talking to an attorney and do you remember the woman that sued McDonald's for spilling hot coffee on her lap and she won this monstrous settlement and mm-hmm. we all thought, gosh, that's the most goofy thing I ever heard. And we all had a good chuckle at it. And then I remember talking to an attorney who said to me, he goes, well, do you know all the facts of the case? It was like Paul Harvey. And I said, well, I, I can't say that I do. And he gave me a lot more information when you say, wow, I don't know if she got enough. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it's, 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 it is good to sometimes hold out and say, all right, this for all intents and purposes appears to be the most ridiculous story and a big waste of money when that could have gone to me. Right. And I would have given you a bunch of bananas and <laughs> I would have sung the banana song. <laughs> you know, morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night until you said I got my 120,000 worth. <laughs> Right. Please stop singing. I'm sure that would Wait, happen in short order. I want an extra hundred order. Just, to, just to go sit in the corner, be yeah. quiet, yeah. eat a banana. You and I, having been around people in the entertainment industry for years and years and years, have been amused by their uh, fullness of ego. And I did yes. find this over the weekend, which I believe you sent me. And it's a quote from Anthony Hopkins, who is one of the great actors uh, alive today. And he also came to faith in Christ in the last year. He was at a uh, AA meeting, and someone in the group uh, befriended him and led him to the Lord. So he's become a Christian. And he said this, and I'm pretty sure you sent this to me. He said, people ask me questions about present situations in life, and I say, I don't know. I'm just an actor. I don't have any opinions. (laughs) My opinion is not worth anything. There's no controversy for me, so don't engage me in it because I'm not going to participate. I love it. Boy, you know, it's I'm about to go out and buy all of his movies. Me too. Beta and VHS. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the Laserdisc one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you get those things? I guess you can still get They'll be collector's items. Oh, of course they will. You know, wouldn't we like to hear that? And it isn't that we have a, a disdain for uh, celebrities or actors, but... You know, it's often I think what we what we don't like is a scolding or a dressing down or being told by somebody where you go, well, who are you to tell me how to live? Or, you know, what how did you suddenly become the person that can play, you know, uh, Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber? (laughs) (laughs) But it turns out you're actually Lloyd Christmas super genius like Wiley Coyote. I, I, you know, it's it's. I guess their em- emphatic way of presenting the information is if I'm smarter than you, I know. And I think I don't, I'm sure I've told it on the show before because I used to hang around and you have too with some of these people. And there's it's, it's like a, a three step process that goes on in the brain of some of these people. They say, you know, uh, r- people that are successful are smart. I'm successful, ergo, I must be smart. And if I'm smart, then you probably need to hear my opinion on just about everything. Yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was an interesting article on the five sins Christians are totally okay committing. Now, I know that's a provocative title, and they don't mean it, because no Christian is okay with committing any sin. But I did find the list kind of interesting. Uh, gluttony was on it as we approach the holiday season. Excessive food and drink are usual culprits. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that was on it was lust. I think this world has become uh, much more uh, prone to lust. And I think I'm just going to leave it at that, if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And then pride. And, of course, we live in this uh, I'm so wonderful world. 
I have such a high self-esteem that everyone needs to hear my opinion, just like you had said. Yeah. I'm finishing this turkey leg. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> and then how quickly we can uh, murder someone's character or think the worst things about somebody. And you just see what's going on in the news cycle today. And there is so much venom. And then there's so much uh, personal kind of attack you can feel in your spirit just like you say about the person that cuts you off in traffic and you just have some of the worst thoughts in your head about them. Um, yeah. And then uh, idolatry. I mean, don't we all have things that we, that we have a disordered love for, that we really love this so much that uh, it has an imbalance in our lives? I, I hear if you get a weighted blanket, that will happen, that you'll fall in love with a weighted blanket. I'm, I'm not, not sure. surprised. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it is that is an interesting uh, thing because um, uh, for years I worked in the restaurant industry, and you know you occasionally get the customer that gets out of hand, and I had developed this belief that what's said while drunk has been rehearsed beforehand, and now the governors are off, and you know somebody lets loose, and you say you know it, it's probably more a real uh, depiction of who you really are. Uh, the person with the governor's off mm -hmm. that uh, just unleashes these things. Uh, for instance, they'll talk, you know, people that have Alzheimer's, the, the thing that regulates them saying these off-the-wall things, that kind of goes away, and then they end up having these outbursts, and the family's like, I, I've never heard Dad talk like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I often wonder if social media, <clears throat> excuse me, hasn't exposed because, you know, there will be people you'll say, well, this person uh, is perfectly nice in life, I'm I'm guessing. But, boy, they get on social media and they're mean. So which one is the real them? And I'm starting to lean toward the mean guy. Because mm -hmm. I think, well, why, why would you take to a platform? Why would you have these thoughts? Why would you say, I'm just going to unleash this torrent on this person? But honestly, I'm nice. So, uh, yeah, that's um, – I don't know if that's – that's probably a combination of some of the deadly sins, but I think maybe one of the reasons why Christians have become okay with it is because way too many of us are guilty of it. Mm -hmm. So what's the easier thing to do? Fix it or just say, you know, it's not that bad. It's just not that bad. But it is because sin is sin. And let's uh, conclude with 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Patrick, thanks for doing the show. I think I do want, would you like something to put a smile on your oh, listener's face? Of course. Okay. I'm going to give you the most wonderful name that if you repeat it, it automatically makes you smile. And it's a real name of a person. Uh, her name was Phoebe and her uh, middle initial was the letter B and her last name was Peabody. And then she married somebody with the last name of BB and she hyphenated her name. So her name was Phoebe B Peabody BB. <laughs> Come on, say it. And not I, I didn't see Phoebe that one coming. <laughs> Is, is, is Rebecca laughing over there? Oh, she's on, dying. She's dying Phoebe, right now. Phoebe, 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 real name. <laughs> All right, Pat. <laughs> Thanks for that little tidbit. I will You're be bothered it. by that the rest of the day. Have a great day. You too. All right, we'll take a little break and be right back with lots more. On Faith Radio.
Welcome back to the show. I'm also glad to have in my studio Pastor Trent Palmberg. He's the pastor of Loring Park Church, which is um, in downtown Minneapolis. And I have to say, I'm not only a big fan of Trent and a big fan of this church, um, I'm just excited about what they're doing and how they're going about doing it because it is a, they purchased an old theater, the Music Box Theater, a place I'm a little bit familiar with, um, and they have uh, made it into a, a church in the city doing tons and tons of ministry. And every time I run into him and, and talk to him, I'm always excited about what's going on down there. So I said, Trent, come on in and talk. How are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for having me on the you, show again. You bet. I know it's uh, it's me feeling a great kinship to the Music Box because I, I performed probably 2,000 shows there yeah. doing Triple Espresso, and that was our home for many, many years. But the church is uh, a spectacular idea because you've you've bought an old theater, the church has, and now you have tremendous capability to do tons of ministry with this beautiful old theater. Yeah, that's right. So we came in, I think the last time I was on the, the show was a couple of years ago because we had just come in under leasing the theater yes. in 2016. I think we talked in 2017 as well. And since then, about five months ago, uh, we as Wooddale Church bought the theater uh, from the current owner who wanted to uh, retire and get out of it. So we bought it because our heart has always been long-term in the city and in the neighborhood. And what a great opportunity for ministry and all yeah. the ways that God has been using, you know, this, this vision and this dream in our heart is to, to, to follow Jesus and really bring hope to Minneapolis into the community by being great neighbors who love mm-hmm. and serve everybody around us. And we get the to have fun. I mean, sometimes you wake up and it's just like, I am having so much fun doing <laughs> ministry because we get to do it in this historic right. theater in some really non-traditional ways. Because, you know, if you were to walk into the place, it it, it doesn't really look like a church. It probably doesn't remind you of a church. No. If anything, it looks like a performing arts theater. It's and historic... yet the church has moved into right. the building and into the neighborhood. And I, and Trent, you said non-traditional space, and that is so true. And I think that is so key in... You know, there's different keys for different locks, and there's a lot of people that may not walk into a traditional-looking church, but may walk into a historic theater because you're offering them a chance to come in and, and let's say, even watch a movie on a Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. We we get that all the time. We have people who come and visit because they're simply walking down Nicollet Avenue, or maybe mm-hmm. it's someone experiencing homelessness, and the shelters just got out that morning, and they're looking for a, a place of refuge, and uh, we always open arms. We're serving coffee out on the sidewalk, and we welcome everybody in. And sometimes it's the non-traditional space that catches them a little bit off guard, but allows us to then start a conversation that they maybe wouldn't have even had before. You know, I remember uh, it's probably a year and a half ago meeting uh, a really young kid out on the sidewalk one morning before our church service started. He, he couldn't have been more than, you know, 18, 19 mm-hmm. years old, but looking pretty uh, rough, you know, probably had spent the night in a shelter on the sidewalk. And I went up to talk to him and immediately he stepped back from me. So I could tell right away, there's something else going on with this kid. And I said, you know, there's coffee over here. Uh, we'd like to invite you in. We've got the service that that's happening a bit, but just want you to know, you can be totally safe and totally comfortable here. And you can kind of see his eyes light up a little bit because I'm not sure if he had experienced that somewhere else. And lo and behold, he, he comes in, he experienced our service for a little bit, but left. And I thought, like many people in the in the city, it's transient. Are you going to see him again? Lo and behold, the next weekend, he shows up again. And this time, as I go to shake his hand, remember his name, he actually went to shake my hand. He said, the strangest thing happened last weekend. He says, I, I struggle with 
anxiety. I can't be in crowded places, but I was in this church with hundreds of people and I felt nothing but, but peace. What's up with that? And we get to have a conversation about, you know, God and the God we serve is, we believe the keeper of peace. And this is a different spirit that inhabits this building. And he kept coming back and back. And one day he finally comes back so much. He's gotten comfortable with us. He has to sit down and he says, you know, there's something different I've experienced here. He said, I've worshiped pagan gods my entire life. I've tried to give them things and they give nothing back to me. But you tell me about a God that's done everything for me. And this is the one place that I've actually experienced hope in my Hmm. life. And that for us as as a people, that's exactly what we're all about. We want to bring the hope of Jesus into someone's life. And this kid reaches his hands across the table with me and another one of the people I minister with, he says, I want to, I want to follow your God and your God alone because he's the only one I know that brings peace and brings hope. I mean, what else can you do but praise God in those moments and say, wow, the way that God uses the faithfulness of a church that just is open-handed and says, God, you call us somewhere, we're going to go and we want to be a blessing to the, to the community. That's, that's hard to argue with. And for him, he would never have set foot in a church. He even told me, would have never done it, don't trust it, things have happened in the past. But yet he got past that barrier, came to Historic Theater, and found hope there. Mm -hmm. Trent, first of all, fantastic story. I mean, think of how much the needle got moved in one week. Yeah. In one week. And this is a a guy who may have been uh, riding the metro all night just to stay Mm -hmm. out of the weather. Yeah. Clutching onto his belongings. Yeah. And you invite him in and say, you're safe here. That's a important word for people that are in and out of homeless shelters. Absolutely. And um, we really we really mean it. Shouldn't the church be the safest place on the planet for, for everybody? Whether or not they, they may sleep through half of your service, you, mm-hmm. we can have empathy and understanding for that, especially in the in the city to just say, yeah, you are really safe here. We, we don't want something from you. We don't just want you to come and attend our church or give money, which is what many people think the, the church is all about. But we, we actually think God wants something for you and something so much, but so much better. We mm-hmm. can treat people authentically in that. So talk a little bit about accessibility and proximity because the street is right in front of your door. Yeah. It's not like you drive into a suburban neighborhood and go down a long road and then pull into a church parking lot. Yeah, there is no roundabout in front of There's the Music nothing. Box Theater. There's just Nicollet Avenue. You're on the streets of Minneapolis. Yes. And as you walk by, you are in front of your church. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just remind us how important it is to have venues and locations in places that are so immediately accessible to people. Yeah, and, and that's where at least we as a church at Wooddale, we, we feel called to be. We're going to be wherever there isn't, you know, a thriving local church, wherever the gospel isn't known, wherever hope isn't found, we're, we're going to be there and be the bearers of hope. As I, I hope anybody who's listening, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, we should all be going to those places. That's who we're called to be. And one of the places we love to be is in the middle of the marketplace. So we're in an old theater. On one side of us is a early uh, child development center on mm-hmm. the other side is a Chinese food restaurant. I mean, mm-hmm. We're right in the middle of the marketplace and that is a fun place to be the church and have this hub, this epicenter of hope in the middle of the city to do things like creative arts events, to do things like worship services, to have uh, a thriving recovery ministry and find unique ways that you can bless your neighbors in a very non-traditional way because 
I mean, your, your space is non-traditional. Mm-hmm. You can think a little bit different about it. That's not to say you can't do that in a traditional church building, but I think we can get creative in all of our communities and go into spaces that are maybe uninhabited uh, by the hope of the gospel, and we can go be that there. Mm-hmm. But if you are in a location, a prime uh, downtown location, and you have a recovery ministry, you've got a fairly broad circle of people that can get there on foot. That's right. And you've got access to a recovery meeting that so many people can access. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that, because that was that an original intention uh, from day one? You know, from day one, we enter the community, and this is kind of how we do it everywhere. We're learners. We enter the community with a, a heart of learning. We're not there to, to save the city or any community that we plant in. We're there because we already have people who are a part of our church. They just live pretty far away from an existing location. And we say, hey, why don't we go right to where we can go with our neighbors and bring hope and we can be the church there. So that's why we opened here. And so it's close proximity to just about everything. So as we entered in, we said, well, let's learn about what needs there are in the community. Let's take some time to listen Let's take some time to meet neighbors, to understand what's already been happening here, because we don't want to duplicate things to where we say, oh, we actually did uh, something that someone else is already doing better, and we should have just sent volunteers to help them with it. (laughs) We actually find some gaps and do needs-based ministry, and that's what recovery was for us. We we found there really wasn't much Christ-centered recovery happening in the city, and we felt called by God then through through prayer and through fasting and saying, God, is this something that you would have us uniquely do to bless our city and those who call this place home? And we, we felt he was saying yes. So we started that a couple years ago. I think our ministry just turned two years old. Uh, actually, the first Celebrate Recovery in all of downtown Minneapolis, kind of the downtown core. That's fantastic. Now, when, when the church was contemplating going into this space and now having purchased it, you guys are fully in, uh, but was there uh, a little bit of a window shopping you did. Do, would you look around the country at other models of people that were doing uh, church life in a certain unique space? Yeah, you know, there, there's some. We're certainly not the first to do church in a in a theater. I've developed good friendships, relationships with other mm-hmm. churches who are doing that, so we can understand how do you have how do you do these unique things? How do you have a children's ministry inside of a 1920s? <laughs> theater. You know, there's no children's wing inside of it. They they just didn't build that back then. So you you start to share ideas and share concepts and ministries. So yeah, there were other places uh, that we formed relationships with that helped us along the way for sure. And that's what I think it means to just be for the name above all names, not the name above the door, right? We're all in this as, as pastors and as a local church to build the kingdom of God, and let's learn from each other and how we can do this in very non-traditional mm-hmm. spaces. I want to say that uh, Irwin McManus has a church which is in a movie theater in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, and it's packed every Sunday. Yes, and they have multiple ones around that area. Uh, another great example is National Community Church. Uh, their senior pastor is Mark Batterson oh, yeah. out in the Washington, D.C. area. They basically go along the uh, train route and just find different theaters that they can go host their church in. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a really smart idea. <laughs> well, I would say this is something God clearly led us to, and uh, we submit to him, and we're followers first. And this was a clear opportunity in the city where we were led to the Music Box Theater, and 
We just felt like God was asking us to say yes and take a risk. And I know looking back on it, it's always easier to see God's plan in it all and say, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense now. Mm-hmm. But it's walking by faith in the process and saying, yeah, at the time, a lot of these pieces didn't make sense. It didn't all fit together to us. But that's that's following Jesus to me. Yeah. I know that's true in my own life. That's the step of faith that it takes to follow a God whose plans are established and they're perfect, yet we don't know all of them at the at a certain point in, in time. Mm-hmm. That's the that's also the fun of it as well. Yeah, Trent, does the church and the people that attend, does it kind of look like the city? Is there a pretty interesting, diverse crowd there? That is a great question because that is at the forefront of our, our heart is mm-hmm. we want our churches to be as diverse as the neighborhoods that they're a right. part of. And Loring Park in Minneapolis is a diverse city that we want to reflect, that we want to celebrate. And we also know that that's a process as well, that church is, is born on the gospel, but it's knit together by these one another relationships that mm-hmm. we are to have. And there's reconciliation that needs to happen. And there's cultural backgrounds that that absolutely everybody brings with them. And it's the the beauty of that as well. So, yeah, I would say we're, we're building a church towards that, that includes everybody, that looks like the neighborhood, uh, that walks and talks like, like the city. And I think if you were to walk in on a, on a Sunday, my hope is that you would see that because we're intentional to be building that as well. And we really think it does take intentionality. It's not something that will just come naturally per se. You have to be pursuing that. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't want to hog all of Trent's time. If you have a question about a non-traditional worship space, maybe you've been praying that that's something God wants you to uh, be a part of, and you have a question for us, uh, let us know what it is. It's a text only. I will ask on your behalf. The number is 877 It's just uh, so exciting to see how God has planted this church in the middle of uh, uh, Minneapolis and has created so many interesting opportunities for ministry. It's really exciting, and I love the space. Obviously, I'm biased, so there you go. Yeah, and like we say, it's it, we feel like we've been handed a, a great baton of ministry. There's been many great things that have happened at the Music Box Theater. It was in uh, fairly disuse for most of the year when we came in, and we mm-hmm. felt God saying, "Hey, we want you know, we're calling Wooddale Church to to plant here. Are you guys in?" And us as a team, we just said, "Yeah, by faith, we're going to do it." And watching what God has done has been amazing. The part He's had us play in bringing hope to people's lives who were hopeless is amazing. Never tire of these stories. We'll take a short break. Be back with Pastor Trent Palmberg in just a minute. Welcome back to the program. Pastor Trent Plumberg is in the studio. He's the pastor at Wooddale Church in Loring Park. And it's a beautiful old theater, one I have great affection for because I performed in there quite a bit. Now it's owned by a, a church, and they are doing spectacular things and great ministry. And when you're in the city and you've got a church door that opens onto a city street, you're going to attract a lot of people and make a lot of uh, new connections and new relationships. And I think Billy Graham said... Uh, Imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. And uh, I think, Trent, you guys are doing a spectacular job of that. Yeah, and we're just, we're following God and 
it, it's amazing the people that he brings across our path, and then we do you know the work of the gospel, which is to tell people about how much God loves him, what he did to bring them back into relationship with them. And then as the church, we get to be in relationship with them and God as well. And that's mm-hmm. where it gets really fun and you start to grow and mature in faith and you get to be part of somebody's somebody's life. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, because you have a unique space and it's and you've got so many options for creativity, uh, maybe you would share with listeners, I mean, some of the fun things you've been able to do and some of the things you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of what we do with the space is we love to use it for what it was built for. Mm-hmm. And back in the 1920s, uh, it was a film theater. And then in the 50s, it kind of changed into a variety show all the way up until today, even there showing were, variety shows. There were shows. silent movies back then. Silent films all the silent way back films. in 1920. It was one of yeah. Minneapolis' most premier silent film theaters. Yeah. So we love to use it for creative events and to also use it to be a blessing to the city. Performance space is very expensive and it really isn't available to everybody in the city. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually saying we'd like to change that. We would love people to perform at this space. We want to have a a variety of different performers and performances that inspire creativity, that provoke great conversation, that are family friendly. And so we do a lot of different creative events at the, the theater. For instance, this this Friday, we're showing It's a Wonderful Life at the theater. What an amazing movie, black and white, at an old nostalgic theater. Uh, we charge, you know, an affordable price for that. Our, you know, our popcorn isn't $10. We want it to be a, a place where everybody can come and enjoy that for a, a great season downtown. We also do concerts there. We've rented it out to to schools in the neighborhood. One school is even coming up as doing like a, a circus performing act to where mm-hmm. they didn't have an auditorium before, you know, schools in the city don't have a ton of space. And so mm-hmm. they came to us and we said, we would love to have you into our theater. Why don't you use the the space? You can have everybody in what a cool performing space. And it's so fun, Bill, to see the kids eyes light up when they walk in there and they see, wow, this is where I get to have my <laughs> orchestra concert. This is where yeah, I get yeah. to perform. They can hardly believe it. It is just so, so cool. Yeah. And then they have a great experience of uh, doing something in a space that they're completely comfortable with. Yeah. And in their little brains, they can go, I could come back here yeah. for church. Exactly. And it wouldn't be scary. Yeah. And that's what we hope. And even for those who who don't. We still hope that we can be a blessing to all of our, our neighbors, wherever they may be at in their in their faith journey, because we may not get them at a point where they may be willing to even talk about faith. But I believe we're still called to bless all of our community. And if we can do that with the, the building that God has given to us, that to us sounds like a, like a win-win. Mm-hmm. And you did bring up a point which I find really interesting, because it is a theater that's been around for since what 1920 or something and it does not have uh kids rooms the way a church would designate that's right so i'm just trying to figure out how you how you work some of that some of those space issues yeah we get we get kind of creative there's some space at the theater we've we've basically taken every square foot that isn't for the theater or the lobby or the mm-hmm. you know restrooms or cafe and we've turned it into kid space so there's a, you know, what used to be an old production office we've renovated and turns into a, a kid's classroom. The old room where they would keep all the, the safe and the money and they would uh, tally up after the shows. We turned that into a nursery. I mean, it's all <laughs> up to code. It's safe, but you just get a little bit creative. So it may look a little different when you would walk into the space, but everything else about it is 
completely as you would find at a different church in a different location. You just have to get a little bit creative and thinking about how would this work a little bit differently here? Mm-hmm. Trent, how would you encourage people listening uh, across the the, uh, the network who who are thinking, all right, this is a great idea. Then I've been I've had this idea for a while, and now I'm really encouraged because Trent's talking about it. I mean, in terms of finding space um, and trying to figure out uh, that novel area in, of town or where God might lead, how do you go about doing some of that homework? Yeah, it's a it's a great question you know that's for, the only one i got right now so yeah well, i mean good. for for me as uh you know father of jesus as a pastor i always encourage you go to the people where god is calling you to go and and god will open your eyes in, in a unique way perhaps into the space that he would call you to meet as as a people maybe that's a house to start you know there's a lot of house churches that are starting around the the nation maybe that's a school maybe it's a storefront maybe it's an old movie theater but I think as long as is if you're there and you're already past the barrier of saying maybe I don't need a traditional looking church building in order to go and reach the people that I feel in my heart God is calling me to reach, that's step one. You've already passed that first barrier, which is great. And then I would just pray that that beautiful, dangerous, and powerful prayer that says, <laughs> God, direct my sight to where your vision is, Mm -hmm. you know, make my dreams, your dreams for these people in this community so that I can be a blessing and I can bring hope to all of my neighbors and see what happens. You know, I know he's done that in my life. I've, I've had, you know, the vision of, of God to say, wow, what if he was after these people and how, what are the ways I could bring hope into this family or this community? And he shows me very creative ways how to, how to do that, that I've, probably wouldn't have ever been thinking before. Yeah, that's really interesting. What about some of the, the younger kids and the people who are, are, den- are identifying as nuns or they've drifted away? Is a church like yours, um, does it seem like it's a, it's a nice bridge to get them back in, to draw them back in? Yeah, you know, for, for someone who would identify as a nun, that I would say is a, a majority of our context, at least where we are we are at. Mm-hmm. I think the way in which you introduce them to faith uh, is very important. So we host what we call conversations about faith at the, the theater, where we don't want to just talk at you. We want to talk with you because mm-hmm. for a nun, that's, that's what they've grown up with is I go to church, I get talked at. Yeah. You know, I, get, I go to church and I just get looked at funny. <laughs> and for even change your approach and just say, hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you about faith. What's your experience been? Mm-hmm. And what's my experience been? Even if that's a bad experience. And then to be able to all bring it back and to say, well, let's just, let's just come around and answer the question of who is Jesus. Let's start there and put all the rest of the stuff aside. Step one, who is Jesus? Because I, I think that informs everything else if we can come to the conclusion on that question. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's changing your your approach. You know, space matters. So where you meet, you don't even have to meet inside of the the church. You know, we we host some Bible studies, some conversations about faith out in public coffee shops or public areas to where we're in places that they are already, and we just say, hey, do you want to talk about this? this thing that Jesus was talking about with us. And a lot of people say, sure, I've heard about Jesus. Yeah. I'd so like to know. Tell us about how you've connected to this coffee shop now in Minneapolis. Yeah, so in the, addition. It's, it's another uh, campus mm-hmm. that Wooddale has just started over in the Seven Corners community right near the University of Minnesota because we said, how, what's a way that we can bless that community? 
And when you think about graduate students, when you think about college kids, they're going to be studying all the time. And I know when I was in college and even when I was getting my master's, I needed a lot, probably an unhealthy amount of coffee. Mm-hmm. I needed espresso and I needed coffee. I'm talking we my said, language. That's a way we can bless this community is let's start a coffee shop. Let's serve exceptional coffee. Let's have exceptional service and let's actually be friends mm. with everybody who's coming in because i know when i walk into a coffee shop they know my drink order they know who i am they know the <laughs> classes i'm studying uh-huh. that just starts to feel like home they feel loved yeah and shouldn't that and it's see what all of yes. our places that we inhabit let alone the church but everywhere we're called to be as followers of jesus we should make into this feeling of welcome and home. And that's what we're, we're trying to do everywhere that mm-hmm. we, we go. Trent, it's so nice to see you. And thank you for uh, telling me about the wonderful things that are going on at Woodell Church at the Loring Park campus. If you're curious to go look and see what's going on over there, Woodell2Ds, W-O-O-D-D-A-L-E.org. You can check it out. Thanks, Bill. Pastor Trent Palmberg has been my guest. We're going to take a little break. And then hour two is coming up. And uh, Beverly Canaris is already in the green room, and she's going to come in and talk to us about listening to God. How does God still speak today? I'm real curious. I'm looking forward to that. We'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.